This is the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, here to help you navigate and thrive with ADHD in adulthood. I'm your host, Zena, and I was diagnosed at age 36. As with many ADHDers, I have a rebellious and non-conformist style. And that means that there will likely be swearing in the coming episode. Please be mindful of any little people. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast. So stoked to be here with you guys today. I can't remember. Of course I can't. I have ADHD. (laughs) Did I tell you guys the grapefruit story? Hmm. I don't know, but you're going to hear it again if I didn't. So the other day, my partner and I were going for a walk and we walked past a grapefruit tree and I was like, oh my gosh, I love a grapefruit. I really wish we had a tree or we could like make friends with somebody who did or, you know, buy them on the side of the road, like one of those fruit stalls. Anyway, we go in the supermarket at the end of our walk. We walk down there and I pick up a couple of grapefruit and I go to the checkout and I scan all the items and then I put the grapefruit on the belt and I'm standing there and I'm just blank. You know what I mean? When you forget the, the word. I was like, I could not remember the word for grapefruit. So in my head, I'm like, orange, lemon, mandarin, come on, come on, come on. And I'm standing there staring at this fucking grapefruit. (laughs) And it's the self-checkout. And eventually the person who's like manning the self-checkout comes out and they say to me, are you okay? And I was like, nope, (laughs) what is this called? And they pick it up and there's a sticker underneath it that tells you what it's called. I was like, oh, handy tip for next time. And so anyway, they're like, it's a grapefruit. I was like, okay, thanks. So I, you know, pay for my grapefruit and my other items and I leave. I tell my partner and he thinks it's hilarious. So anyway, I posted about this on my Facebook page because I think it's quite funny. And it does happen quite a lot. And now it's it's interesting to notice I forget the word grapefruit quite often now, which is weird. I didn't, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know what the science is behind that, but I'd be keen to know. Anyway, I posted about it on my Facebook and quite a few of my friends, especially fellow ADHDers, shared their stories. And one of them, shout out to Jess, my friend Jess, who lives in Hawaii with her husband, Eric. She said that she went to the store with her husband once to buy some, some stuff and she forgot the word for underwear. And so she said to him, we need to get some vagina clothes. <laughs> I love that. I just love that so much. <laughs> so now instead of underwear, it is vagina clothes from here on out. Anyway, there is actually, um, if you search for it, I can't remember what account it was. I found an account on Instagram and then it came up on my TikTok as well, where an ADHD influencer had asked her listeners or her followers rather, like what they had used in replacement of words when they forgot. And Anyway, it was hilarious. I did share that as well over on my Facebook if you follow me there. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I just wanted to share that funny story with you all. So a while back, I was coaching a client who wanted to find someone to share her life with. And she had met someone on a dating app and they were getting along really nicely, chatting back and forth quite a lot, and they were talking about meeting. Now, before they were able to confirm a time and a place to meet, he ghosted her. He went completely silent, nothing, absolutely no response. And as a result, she felt awful. She thought she must have done something wrong. He didn't like her. She felt like really hurt, really rejected. And she just decided he obviously didn't want to meet her. He can't have been attracted to her. He like wasn't being genuine. He actually didn't like her. So 
as a result of that, she just quit dating altogether. Now, this is a story that I can really relate to because I avoided dating for over 10 years. I was terrified at the idea of putting myself out there, going on dates, and, you know, the possibility of getting hurt or being rejected. So I just avoided it for a very long time. (laughs) And that is RSD, rejection sensitivity dysphoria, at work. When we're so afraid of being criticized or rejected that we avoid certain situations altogether, and what that can mean is that we miss out on opportunities or we perhaps don't even pursue the goals that we have because of that fear. Now, if you have ever sent a message to someone and noticed that they've read it, you know, on the app, it now tells you, I don't know if I like this or not, but it tells you when somebody's read your message, right? And then say a day later, they still haven't replied and you might start panicking, think, shit, have I done something wrong? Should I maybe have worded that better? Did I forget something? Or maybe you've had feedback in a meeting at work. You've had some feedback that you weren't expecting. And then you started thinking, shit, I've messed up. I should have known better. I've really let the team down. Keeping in line with that example, something that I regularly see at my Toastmasters meeting, which I know I've shared about on a on a past episode, but it's like where you go to get better at public speaking. So we have roughly 30, 35 people. We come together every Thursday morning and we're all there to practice speaking. So there's speeches and various different roles. So something I see quite regularly, and actually it occurred yesterday in our meeting, was that somebody was getting feedback about the role that they had and they made it mean that they were being, in their words, roasted and had done a shit job. Now, what is so interesting here is that they did get positive feedback. So they did get given some good things that they had done really well. And then they got a recommendation and all that they heard or all that they absorbed, soaked in like a sponge, was that recommendation that they received for how they could improve in a certain area. And they internalized that and then decided that they were being roasted and had done a shit job. Now, I have seen so many people come to our Toastmasters meetings and do this. And it happens very gradually. And like, you know, it'll be a couple of months in, they do that. And then they just never come back, which sucks. It really sucks because, you know, we all go to Toastmasters to learn and improve, to get better at public speaking and overcome that, you know, fear (laughs) that many humans have, you know, when it comes to speaking in public, we want to go along to, you know, learn and get skills and eventually feel confident. But when people do that, when they take the feedback and they make it mean something negative and awful and bad about themselves, they quit too soon. So what do all of these examples have in common? One question, or rather, in these examples, one decision that these people have made. And that is they have made it mean something negative about themselves. So I'm going to further explain this back to the dating example. When my client was ghosted, she made that mean that he didn't like her. 
she wasn't good enough. A, a lot of like really negative things about her. She didn't have what it takes to date. Nobody was going to want to be with her. All sorts of things. And when she made it mean that, she felt rejected. She felt awful. And of course, what do you do when you feel that way? Quit dating. So what I want to show you is that what you make it mean is optional. You get to decide. So I actually shared my story with her. So years ago, and this is, I want to say, maybe 15 years ago. I don't know. But maybe, no, probably not that long. Maybe 10. I don't know. But years ago, when I was playing with the idea of dating, like, I, I wanted to be with someone, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I was still so afraid and that fear was really driving my, my actions. But years ago, I was playing with the idea of dating and what I would do is I would download the dating apps and then I would match with someone and you'd have conversations and it would be really nice and you'd enjoy, you know, chatting back and forward. And then comes the part where they're like, oh, so let's go for a drink. <laughs> you know, they want to meet, obviously, like that's the whole point of it. But what would happen when they said, like, let's meet and, you know, start like making plans is I would get terrified. I was like, that's the bit that tips me over the edge. I can't fucking do that. No. So what I would do in very dramatic fashion is delete the dating app, throw my phone across the room. I actually remember doing this on multiple occasions. So effectively, I was ghosting that person. As soon as they started, you know, raising the conversation of like, let's meet, should we go for a drink? That was too much for me and I couldn't do it. So I ghosted them and I shared that with her because I was the one, you know, who kept quitting dating and was ghosting people. And it wasn't because I didn't like them. If anything, it was because I liked them. But the idea of meeting them freaked me out too much. I couldn't do that. That was too scary. What if I got rejected? What if I got hurt? All of that came up. So what I want to show you is that what you make it mean is optional, okay? She could make it mean that he was too afraid to meet her. He deleted the app because that was too much for him. He just wasn't ready yet. So I asked her to make a list of five things that it could mean that felt equally as possible in this situation. And I remember she included it could have been a family emergency or that he met someone else. That's possible. It could also mean he wasn't ready. So notice how her brain had made it mean he didn't like her. He was rejecting her. That's one option. But there's so many other options equally as possible. Like, let's look at those. Let's explore those. And here's why this is so important, because the meaning we attach to other people's words or actions, that meaning we attach determines how we feel. And then, depending on how we feel, it determines what we do. So when she made it mean he didn't like her, she felt rejected, she then quit dating. But when we were able to begin questioning what she'd made it mean and look at what else it could mean, she started to feel better. And she decided to make it mean he wasn't ready and went back to dating apps. 
as humans, we are meaning-making machines. We attach meaning to everything. The money in our bank account, the job we have, the amount that we weigh, the things that other people say to us, the weather. We give it all meaning by what we choose to think about it. So my friend, what are you making it mean? This is one of the most powerful questions that you can ask yourself on a regular basis, right? Whether it's you've been ghosted on a dating app or you stand on the scales or you check your bank balance or somebody doesn't reply to your text message. What are you making it mean? Now, as ADHD as we are often quick, myself included, (laughs) we're quick to assign a meaning that is more so negative when things like this arise. So for example, when your boss says, hey, can we arrange a meeting for next Friday? You might make that mean that you've done something wrong and you're about to get in trouble. Or when that friend doesn't reply to your message, you might make it mean that you've done something wrong and then worry about it for hours. So if that's you and if you can relate to that, and it is me, I'm going to share a story with you in a minute, but If that's you as well, then I want to offer an additional layer to this work for you. So in that relationship, if you feel safe to do so, then communicate it. So I will often tell my friends or my partner when I need more information and communicate that I've made this mean something negative. (laughs) I'm feeling terrible. So here's my example. Just the other day, my partner and I were on a walk and he said to me, hey, this weekend I want us to talk about money. Immediately, I fucking freaked out, (laughs) went into panic mode. I was like, oh my God, did I not pay a bill? Have I not contributed enough this month? Did I do something wrong? Like like my, my brain was racing and my heart rate shot right up. And so I told him, I said, hey, um, I've made that mean that I've done something wrong and I'm really panicking about that. Can you tell me what this is about? Or can we talk about it now so that I know if this reaction is warranted or not? And it wasn't anything bad at all. You know, it was actually just in regards to taking a few days away, going on a trip and just making sure that our travel account, we've got a, you know, a separate bank account for travel, had enough to cover it. That was it. It was nothing bad. If anything, it was actually something good. So just notice that and pay attention. And if you feel safe to do so, communicate it. Okay. So if your boss is asking for that meeting, and you don't know what it's about, but your brain is like freaking out. <laughs> Ask for more information. Communicate. Look, I'm making this mean I've done something wrong or there's something bad that we're having to discuss. Can you clarify and potentially ease these worries for me? Right. Keep coming back to that question. What am I making this mean? It is a question I ask myself most days question that I instill in all of my clients, all of the women I work with, right? I ask this, especially when I feel anxious, worried, afraid, or have any not so pleasant emotion come up. So just this morning, actually, I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw a post for an upcoming event that I'm speaking at and they had announced the first speaker and he is an incredible guy and a very talented speaker and he has accomplished a lot in his career and I very much admire him 
And I read his write-up that he had to provide. We had to provide our own bios. And I read his write-up and immediately I felt anxious. And so when I tapped into that anxiety, when I asked myself, why am I feeling so anxious reading this? It was because I had made his little bio, his write-up mean I'd done mine wrong. And admittedly, I'd done mine very like professional, not like personal. And his was more like of a life story. Mine was just like a professional bio. And so as soon as I could see why, it was because I'd made it mean I've done mine wrong. And I was feeling terrible for that. Then I could go, okay, mine hasn't been released. I've got time if I would like to change it. And I flicked off an email to the event organizer to say, hey, is it possible to change this? I think I misunderstood the 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 memo the instructions and that's fine like problem solved right so back to the example of having a friend who's read a message and not replied i think so many of us can relate to this like what else is possible in that scenario now i am often that person i'll admit if you message me and i haven't replied but you can see i've read it I promise it is nothing to do with you, (laughs) right? It's probably because I got busy. I forgot. I wrote it down. I sometimes write it down to reply later. Like if my brain needs time to think about it, which often I like that time to kind of process and reply, I'll write it down and do it later, right? Or I've just got busy or I'm about to hop on a client call or I'm about to like do something else. So ask yourself, What else could it mean in this scenario? What else is equally as possible? Maybe your friend got busy. Maybe they forgot. Maybe they plan to reply later. Maybe they have a lot going on in their life right now. Maybe they thought they replied and they just forgot to hit send. Guys, I do that and I have so many friends because I've got a lot of ADHD friends who do that too. (laughs) Right? It's all equally as possible. So play with this. I really want to encourage you, play with it this week. Ask yourself the question, what am I making it mean? And explore what else could it mean that is equally as possible here. Okay. And don't forget, if you're loving the podcast, please leave us a five-star review and help more ADHDers to find us. Okay. Huge love to you, my friends. I'll speak to you next week. Take care. Hey, friend. I know exactly what it's like to feel frustrated and confused with your ADHD and to wish that you could better understand what the hell is going on in your brain. And that's exactly why I created my coaching program, Thriving with ADHD. Inside Thriving with ADHD, you learn a step-by-step process to set and finally achieve your goals, to understand yourself and your ADHD. It's where you learn to feel better and manage your emotions and create systems and processes that work for you with your ADHD brain. This is designed for you to learn how to thrive with ADHD so you can create the life that you were meant to live. Visit xenajones.com ADHD to learn more and book a consultation.